Welcome to Remnant Radio. Glad to have you listening. We're here to share Jewish testimonies about trusting in Yeshua, also known as Jesus. Our focus is to the Jew first and also the Gentile, because God has not rejected his people and has made the two one new man. Now, here are your hosts for Remnant Radio, Joseph Trocchio and Howard Somerville. Thanks, Eric. That was Metro Detroit voice actor Eric Carthen. Welcome, listeners. This is Joseph Trocchio along with my two friends and brothers in Messiah, Howard Somerville and Bill Reynolds. You guys want to check in? How you doing? All right, thank you. I'm here, too. <clears throat> We're here to bring you some of the best Jewish testimonies of faith in the Messiah of Israel, Yeshua. That is Jesus, of course. It's August 7th, 2018, 7 p.m., and we're about to hear Ron Newman's story of faith. Ron was born into a Jewish home in Queens, New York. His father was a Holocaust survivor, and his grandmother was killed at Auschwitz. At the age of 21, Ron was confronted with the gospel, and several months later, he became a Messianic Jew, uh, a.k.a. a Jewish believer in Jesus. Ron served in Vietnam and loves his people Israel. He is the uh, excuse me. He is the director of Jewish Followers of Jesus in Florida. I had the great honor of meeting Ron this summer on our mission trip to Brooklyn with Chosen People Ministries. When I met him, I sensed a strong man, a sincere man, and a very passionate man for Jesus and his Jewish people. Welcome, Ron Newman. We're so glad to have you here. We're looking forward to this interview. Um, this is going to be great, Ron. Um, please go ahead and start, start sharing your story. I'm so glad to be here and be with you guys. Uh, I was born into a, a Jewish home in Jackson Heights, Queens, New York, which was a very Jewish neighborhood when I was, when I was born and raised. And, uh, and actually both my parents were Jewish. My father was a Holocaust survivor. Uh, him and his family were living in Vienna doing what was called the Anschluss, the Anschluss is when Hitler annexed Austria. It was one of the first countries he went into, and uh, it was a big. It was it was a mess. It was uh, my father and his family. They owned a uh, coffee shop and a small office building, and they had a nice, happy family. My grandfather was a furrier. He would travel back and forth to China, and he was dealing in furs. And uh, it was a nice family, and. Uh, so anyway, when the Nazis marched in, uh, they took everything away from them. They threw them out on the streets. Uh, my father saw Jewish people getting shot in the streets. It was quite a traumatic experience, and the whole family was scattered. Uh, my grandmother, um, she had recently been divorced from my grandfather, and uh, so she fled to Paris uh, because she felt it would be safer there. And, uh, and a lot of the Jewish people were fleeing, heading into, into France. For some reason or another, they thought it would be safer and the Nazis wouldn't get in there or whatever. So anyway, so my grandmother, while she was in Paris back in, 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 and, and she fled there in 1938 and 1942, um, the, as the Nazis marched in, the only thing she had left was some jewelry my grandfather had given her. And so she gave the, 
the jewelry to a French lady for safekeeping, and the French lady, so she could keep the jewelry, turned my grandmother into Nazis, and they grabbed her and they put her in a camp right outside of Paris called Drancy, and then they loaded her onto a cattle car and sent her to Auschwitz and murdered her. Uh, my father, uh, my father ended up getting out of Vienna uh, after some time because my aunt. Uh, had married an American, and she had moved to New York. And uh, so she was able to get my father and my grandfather a visa, but it was very difficult at that time uh, because the, the Hitler youth and everything, whether you had a visa or not, they were taking you and putting you on trucks and sending you off to the, wherever they were going to send you. So anyway, so my father ended up getting out, and uh, he was traveling with my grandfather, but they got separated somehow. I don't think my grandfather's paperwork, his name was Raphael Newman. My father was Fred Newman. Uh, something the, the Nazis felt wasn't correct with his paperwork. So my father ended up, after some time, getting out and sailing out of Hamburg, Germany, to the United States. And uh, my grandfather, um, he didn't get out until a couple of years later. And... Uh, he, uh, he had to come in to, uh, to the United States to Canada. But anyway, my father and my mother, you know, they met, and I had a very troubled childhood. My, my father had severe PTSD from the Holocaust, and um, it was very sad. So my parents got divorced when I was very young. And, um, and so, and my mother, you know, she had to work to support the family. And to make a long story short, you know, we were just Jews living in the city with, with very little to live on. And she married this guy named McDevitt. He was a really bad guy. He was nice at first. To make a long story short, he changed uh, my brother's name and my name from Newman to McDevitt. And, um, and that was really strange because here we were, two Jewish kids in a Jewish neighborhood. And all of a sudden, we're running around with these new names. So um, anyway, so uh, he was a bad man. He used to beat us up. We were like Jewish baggage to him. And uh, my mother used to stand in the, in, in, in the corner and cry because of what he did to his kids. Long story short, as a teenager, you know, I, I, was, I did my own thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, I got into trouble, you know, nothing really major. But I was doing drugs. I was drinking all the time, you know, cutting school and a lot of those things. When I was 17 years old, um, I ended up joining the Army. Uh, and they sent me to Vietnam when I was 18. You know, the funny thing is the Army recruiter told me if I joined the Army right then that I could go home every weekend and hang around my friends. So I figured I'd stay at Fort Dix, New Jersey, and go back to Queens. Well, I did go to Fort Dix, New Jersey, but as soon as I turned 18, they sent me to Vietnam. What he meant by going home every weekend was my tent and my friends would be the guys in my platoon. I'm still looking for that recruiter. <laughs> anyway, so uh, so anyway, so um, I came back in Vietnam. I was all messed up. I was 18 when I went over there. I come back at 19 years old. And so uh, let me let me make sure so I understand. So you were you were only there for one year? Yes, one year in Vietnam. Yes, one year in and, Vietnam. And, and, and then you you were out year. of the service after that. No, I, I joined uh, for three years. So after that, I had, I had orders to go to Germany. Okay, all right. Just to let you know, so I came Ron. home on leave. I came home on leave. And uh, and I was only home a few days, and I was listening to Hey Jude on the on the uh, radio. And my ex stepfather came out of the room, and says, "Turn the music down." In fact, turn it off. And I get out. I said, "You can't throw me out. I'm a minor." So he called the police. Anyway, long story short, I left. I went back up to New York. 
Um, my mother threw him out, and that was the end of that guy. And I was very troubled. And then when I went back up to New York, I just remember sitting in this uh, in my brother's apartment in Flushing, and I would uh, the shades. I'd pull them down the blinds, and I'd just sit there, and I would just smoke pot and Smith Smith methadrine. I was all messed up, but I, you know, I always believed in God. I always believed it was God. I was never an atheist. I was never an agnostic. I just didn't know who he was or how to connect with him as a Jewish kid. I didn't know anything. And so then I went over to Germany, and then when I came back, I went to work at, at Sears. And to make a long story short, the guy was a very strong Christian. He witnessed to me for several months, and he came out to my home one night, and he brought a Bible with him. And that was the very first time I saw the inside of a, of a Bible I didn't know anything about the Bible. I thought Jesus' last name was Christ. I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything about uh, him or Christianity. And, and growing up in New York City, stepping back to that, I thought that everybody that wasn't Jewish was a Christian. So uh, Christian and Gentile was synonymous. And to us in New York City, it was the Catholic kids, no offense to anybody listening to this, but the Catholic kids many times were anti-Semitic, and you now they call me, uh, you know, dirty Jew and all this other stuff. But anyway, so so he, when he brought the Bible out, this was all like a whole new beginning. I'm thinking, where's this guy coming from? So he showed me in the Bible, you know, the prophecies. He showed me in the Bible where the Bible says, for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. And I believe that. And he showed me where the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I said, wait a minute. And I says, are you telling me that 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 Jesus is the Messiah and I can have a relationship with God through him. I says, all I have to do is confess my sins and believe he died for me and, and receive him. And I would go to heaven when I die. He said, yes. He showed me the scriptures, you know, which says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So anyway, that I wouldn't pray with him that night. And so I went to bed that night. And I remember laying in that bed that night and I was looking up at the ceiling. And I remember how that, you know, I, I prayed, and it was like a big load was lifted off of me, and like I was living in darkness, but now I saw light. And the very next day, as I went to work, I mean, everything was brighter. It was just an amazing feeling. So I went home and told my mother, I said, hey, Mom, I found Jesus. She said, you did what? I said, Mom, I found Jesus. She called me Meshuggah and told me I was crazy. And, of course, being from, you know, a family of, you know, my relatives in New York, they're all Holocaust survivors, you know, they're, you know, or, or their children. So it was, a, it was quite a thing. So anyway, so, um, so, you know, and the Lord really blessed me. I mean, it's like I had peace for the first time in my life. I never knew peace. And I end up giving up all that stuff up. And I started reading the Bible. And, uh, and then I had a love for one of to want to tell other people about how they can go to heaven when they die. Because I believe the most important thing any person can do is know how to go to heaven when they die. It's not getting a lot of money. It's not getting a house. It's not becoming a doctor. As many of our Jewish people think, what's the most important thing is where are we going to go when we die? Because we're, we're here for just a short time. We don't know when we're going to die. So I became very convicted about telling as many people as I can about uh, Jesus or Yeshua being the Messiah. So I went off, and I went off to uh, uh, I went to a Bible college, and I learned the Bible. And uh, of course, my family in New York they thought I was a little bit nutso for going to Bible college. But to make a long story short, uh, my mother, when she was 84 years old, she prayed with me to get saved. Uh, and I asked her, I says, "Mom, why? What made you decide to want to get saved?" She says, "Ron, I watched your life." So God really blessed. So anyway, make a long story short, I went into the insurance business. 
I started a national insurance marketing company. I didn't have any money. I just started knocking on doors right out of college. And I started knocking on doors, asking about their insurance, see if I could save them some money. And that was in 1980. And by 1987, it had grown to be among the 500 fastest growing private companies in America. The name of the company is United Agencies. And then 19, 1988. But I always, in that business, I always, uh, we always led me, had meetings. We lead it off in prayer. And I always, you know, did try to do what was honest. And by like 1988, we had uh, 5,000 active representatives representing our company throughout the United States. And God really blessed. But anyway, but my, 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 my heart was in reaching our Jewish people with the gospel. So, um, so back in 2009, I, uh, actually in 2005, I attended some uh, Jews for Jesus um, in gatherings here in Florida, and uh, I met some good people. But what really connected me with that is right after I got saved, um, wasn't long after that, that I thought I was the only Jewish guy in the world that believed that Jesus was the Messiah. I never heard of a Jew that believes in Jesus. I mean, if you had to went into my old neighborhood and say, how many people here believe in Jesus, they'd think I was fakakt, and they think <laughs> I wouldn't know what I was talking about. So anyway, so, um, and I went there, and I got in line, and what was amazing is right in front of me was six or seven guys with Jews for Jesus t-shirts on. And I'm, th- and I'm saying, wow, and I tapped the guy in the back, I said, you're Jewish, and you also believe in Jesus? And the guy said, yeah, and so he started talking to me and encouraging me. I mean, why did God take this Jewish kid that just got saved and received Jesus as my Messiah and didn't know any other Jews that believe in Jesus and had me go to Disney World, which is an hour away from me, and put me in line, and as big as Disney World is, put me in line right in front of six or seven guys with Jews for Jesus t-shirts on. Just in other words, I wasn't... Wow. I wasn't two people behind him. I wasn't ten people behind him. I was right behind him. It was amazing. And so, and, and that's what ended up causing me to go on to Bible college. So, uh, then, so, and one of the guys in that line was Jan Moskowitz, who I ended up meeting when I was going through training at Jews for Jesus in 2009. And I asked him, I said, who were those people that were there in 1975? And I told him stories that that was me. It's incredible how God took me and had me go to Disney World that time and then meet up with Jan. And, and fortunately, Jan has passed away, but he mentored me, and he was, he was a great man. So anyway, so here I so So God led me to start uh, to serve with Jews for Jesus, and I served with them uh, for a number of years as a full-time voluntary missionary. And my heart is to talk to the Jewish people. That's what I do. I talk to the Jewish people about how Jesus is the Messiah. And I say, basically, let's go back to what the Bible says. Mm. I consider myself a biblical Jew, not a rabbinical Jew. The difference is, a biblical Jew, we believe and we go by what the Bible says. And the rabbinical Jews, they go by what the, the, the Talmud says. And unfortunately, most of our Jewish people are like me. We're Jewish because we know we're Jewish, and, and, and we don't even want to consider Jesus because we were told as kids that Jesus is for them, Jesus is not for us, Jesus for them, he's not for us, Jesus for the Goyim, he's not for us, and so on and so forth. And, and, we, ha- and, I, and we had, and like I thought that, you know, that it was the Christians that, 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 you know, my family died in the Holocaust. Mm. My, my great uncle, uh, my, it was... Uh, um, Isaac Newman, him and his family were also grabbed in Vienna, and they were murdered at Therinistat, the concentration camp. And just so, I just thought, you know, it was just, you know, it, it's, you know, so most of our Jewish people, we, they think that, that Christians 
are Gentiles, and there's a big difference. A, a, hmm. a Christian is somebody who's been born again, who sometime in their life from they have realized that they've transgressed and they repent of their sins, and they, they receive the Jewish Messiah, which is Yeshua, or Jesus, as you may know him, as our Messiah. And it's the most important thing anybody can do. I mean, it's the greatest thing that any Jew can do is be, be receive the Jewish Messiah. Why wait for the Messiah when he's already come? I mean, and as I've grown in this thing, and I've seen so many scriptures, how the Bible says that the Messiah is going to have to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. Well, you know, if, if Jesus wasn't the Messiah, who's going to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey today? I mean, if he run over by a truck, they'd think he's crazy if a guy rides in there and says he's the Messiah. It talks about, the Bible talks about how the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. This was written hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Isaiah chapter 53 describes exactly how the Messiah would come, he'd die, how his, the Bible says, it says how his visage would be barred more than any man could know him, and that's what happened to Jesus and, and, and they leave Isaiah 53 out of our half-Torah readings. The half-Torah readings in the, in, in the synagogue every week, they just skip over Isaiah chapter 53. And I know now why, because so many of our Jewish people begin questioning, because if anybody that reads Isaiah 53 and asks God to reveal to them who that is, it's very apparent it's Jesus the Messiah. So, yeah, right, so basically, so that's what we do. Ron, you, you mentioned um, yeah. something. You mentioned something about right before um, uh, the Messiah walking into Jerusalem on a donkey. You, you mentioned something about um, why waiting or something like that. And the uh, uh, this just happened when I was in when I was in Brooklyn. Um, I was on the street um, at a red light in um, uh, Midwood. Uh, yeah, Midwood, right? Is that? Yeah, Midwood. Does that ring a bell? Yeah. yeah, Midwood. And I was at a red light, and uh, there was a uh, Jewish man uh, standing uh, uh, close to me. He had, uh, you know, Orthodox um, clothes on, and, and I had an Isaiah 53 card, or I found Shalom card, and I asked him if he wanted to be blessed. I reached out to him, and I said, you would like to talk about the Messiah? And we started talking about different things, and one thing um, that I had remembered, recalled from the teachings of Rabbi Glenn was, uh, I can't remember if it's Daniel 9 or Daniel 11, but it's the 77s, and that uh, the Messiah would come after that 69th week, and the Messiah would be cut off. Um, and I used that to make the point that there's no need to wait any longer. And I mentioned the Daniel passage, and uh, the comeback was, well, we're not, we're not allowed to count we're not allowed to, to, to count that, so we just kind of ignore that. And I thought, wow, it, it's right in Scripture. And it just we kind of left the conversation with that. But do you, are, can you just touch on that for a second regarding the timing of the Messiah um, um, coming? I don't know. Just touch on it. We don't have to get into a lot of it. But that seems to be pretty significant. Um, do you mind yeah, well, just, just kind yeah, of talking about that? Yeah. 70 weeks of Daniel, yeah, that's, it's a timing and all that from a certain period. But I think to go deeper than that, you have to remember, most of our Jewish people don't know anything about the Bible. They know nothing. Zero. So when somebody gives you an answer like that, he's just, he's just, usually he's just sidestepping. Because mm. you have to remember, the Orthodox Jewish people, they studied the Talmud. 
They don't know anything about the Bible. I mean, when I talk to a Jewish person about who the Messiah is, many times I have to talk to them like I'm talking to a nine-year-old child. They don't know anything because they we study the Talmud, and they know the Torah. It depends how orthodox they are, but they don't know the Tanakh. Mm. I was witnessing there was... Was, so they don't know they know the Torah a lot, but they don't know anything about the prophets. Or none of that. They just they just know nothing. I mean, how many hours a day can you study? But they're studying the Talmud. They can tell you about you know the different laws and different things you can and can't do. But you got to remember, the Talmud is nothing but a commentary. You know, it's the Bible. It's the infallible Word of God. So they're going to skip around God a lot you, of that stuff. In fact, when we were out there in Brooklyn, some guy come up and he was trying to challenge uh, one of the guys with us, John Lieberman, and he was asking him some questions. And so I got in the middle of it, sort of. I just interjected, and I started quoting him scriptures from the, he, and I said, the Torah, and I said, and the Tanakh. He said, well, Torah and the Tanakh is the same thing. I said, what are you talking about? Have you ever been to Yeshiva? He said, I've been to Yeshiva for 35 years. He says, you don't know the difference between the Torah and the Tanakh? And so we sidestepped. Wow. But my answer to you is they don't know anything about that. They, they really don't know anything about that. Now, some of them, you know, they may know something about Isaiah 53 or some other things like how they've been trained to try to counter it. But no, they don't, they don't understand any of that. And the Messiah is coming soon. I absolutely totally believe that. He's going to come again. He came the first time to bring peace in our hearts. And the second time, he's coming back to bring peace on earth. Mm. And that's where our, our Jewish people and the rabbis have it wrong. They're waiting for the Messiah to come and just usher in world peace. Well, how can you have world peace if you don't have peace within? You know, you can take all the people in the world and you can have the Messiah come, but there's still going to be turmoil. But when a person is truly born again, I know as a born-again Jew, when I receive Jesus as my Messiah, I have peace in my heart so I can follow God's laws, God's ways, God's teachings. So, um, so the Messiah has come, he's coming again. So they're waiting for him to come, you know, and it's it's very unfortunate, you know. So, but we're seeing a lot of Jewish people come to the Lord here in Florida. A lot of them, they go out in the streets and they serve with us, and we we talk to other Jewish people. And I can give you instance after instance of different testimonies of of Jewish people, Orthodox, conservative, non-observant, whatever, and how they've come to Messiah and how they are serving Him now. Hey, Ron, this is Howard here. I I have a comment and a question for you. First of all, my comment is. Uh, my uh, army recruiter that I went to told me that same story that I could go wherever I wanted to and uh, really uh, go home at night too. I didn't believe him either. Uh, question: What if it's the same guy? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think they all say the same thing. But uh, my question is, and I, I, I think you sort of alluded to this already. You. Uh, kind of joined up, if I heard correctly, with Jews for Jesus in 2009. Uh, yes. It is now 2018. What kind of changes, or have you seen any changes uh, in uh, maybe a more openness in the Jewish community to this idea of uh, Yeshua being the Messiah? Uh, are there more uh, Jews coming to Christ, uh, or is it pretty much the same as 2009? Okay, it's, I'm seeing it actually much more. Now, I, I'm no longer with Jews for Jesus. We formed our own ministry called Jewish Followers of Jesus back at the tail end of 2016, beginning of 2017. But we're doing the exact same thing, just a little a few different ways. But as far as Jews coming to Messiah, what's happening is 
well, I'm seeing so much more openness. Let me give you an example. We we go out almost every every weekend. We go out and set up a booth at, at the local flea market, and it's it's and we put a sign on the table that says Jewish followers of Jesus. And just an example, uh, last year some lady walks by and she picks up one of the, one of our handouts, and it's got it's like characters of two Jewish guys talking, and it's you know, scratching their head says Jewish followers of Jesus. And one of them's got the big nose. And, of course, i got a typically big Jewish nose. She walks by and says, what is this? I said, that's my portrait on the, on the front page. She <laughs> laughed away. She laughed away because it's just a character. It was a cartoon. But she called me, and she said, I want to know more. So we invited to our Arab Shabbat service, which is a, a Sabbath service Friday evening. And she came up to me, and she wanted to know more. And she prayed with me to receive Jesus as the Messiah. Now she comes faithfully. She lights the Shabbat candles for us every Friday evening. Mm. She goes on outreaches with us. And what I'm saying is, and I can give you instance after instance after, that we're seeing more Jewish people being open. Now, I think part of that is also is because as time progresses, our Jewish people are reading more. See, back, you know, when I was growing up, we just went by what the rabbi says. The rabbi says this, and so I go by this. Well, you know, people aren't accepting that anymore. A lot of people are searching for themselves. And if, somebody, if you're Jewish and you're listening to this, you need to read Isaiah chapter 53. Don't go ask God the rabbi what he thinks. You need to do it yourself. It's like when I was in Vietnam and I was 18. If I had to try to get a Viet Cong soldier to come on over here and we'll give him a free house and in the United States a job and everything, he said, well, before I take this plane ride, I need to go ask my general if I should get on the plane. Well, that's stupid. You have to think for yourself. So mm. what I'm saying is, if you're, mm. you, you, you're a Jewish brother or sister and you're listening to this, read Isaiah 53 for yourself. Read, look on the Internet some of the Messianic prophecies, and you'll see. So what's happening now currently, to answer your question, is a lot of our Jewish people now are finding out for themselves that he is Messiah. And if I, if, and to go even deeper, if you had a bit in my neighborhood— when I was growing up, if you had got 100 Jewish people in the room and say, how many of you know a Jewish person that believes in Jesus, you might get one hand. If we got 100 Jewish people in the room today and say, how many of you know a Jewish person that believes Jesus is the Messiah, you'll probably get 98 hands. Wow. That's the difference. That's the difference. It's, it's pretty, pretty incredible. Pretty, pretty amazing. The whole thing, just this whole thing, Ron, is... Uh, it's just amazing, just amazing. Um, okay, where, where was he, Howard? Do you remember what, what you were saying? I wanted you to continue. It was uh, ah, uh, I can't remember. Um, I, I, I can't remember. Keep going. Okay. So anyway, so uh, yeah, I was talking about the ministry and yes. uh, how God's really uh, changed my life, and I'm a much happier person. He's blessed me far more than I can imagine. You know, and I have peace in my heart. You know, when I get up in the morning, the very first thing I do is, is get on my face before I kneel and I pray to God. You say, Jews don't kneel. Oh, well, yes, we do. I can pray anywhere I want to do. But I pray, and I pray to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I, before I leave the house every day, I read the Bible. I love it. But the thing is, is I have peace. I don't work. If I, right now, if this roof where I'm sitting... If this ceiling collapsed on me and I died, I know I'm going to heaven. I'm not even, I'm not even, I'm not 99% sure. I'm 100% sure because the Bible says, mm. he that has a son has life. He that has not the son of God hath not life. These things are written unto you to believe on the name of the son of God. You may know you have eternal life. So if I'm to my Jewish brothers and sisters or anybody who's listening to this, you know, 
accept the Messiah. Don't go your own way. It's like, like Jesus said, the way of the transgressors is hard. And what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, Jesus is the Messiah. So, and I, you know, and, and some people say, well, what are my parents going to say? Well, what are they going to say? I know uh, that my mother and my father and my ancestors would only want the best for me, and they want me in heaven. So that's that's so I feel really good about this. And uh, God bless yeah, you. Yeah, and it's God. God bless you. You know, I, I want to go back to um, the Christian that um, uh, shared the the gospel with you and did the little Bible study with you when you were twenty one or so. Um, is a Gentile, right? Yes. Is a Gentile, and he mentioned uh, prophecies. Uh, or, or you yes. had mentioned that he, he reviewed some prophecies. Um, what were some of those that stood out? Do you, do you remember? They, they jump out at you. Um, what what were those that, that really struck you? It's interesting. I mean, you always believed in God. You understood that there was a um, a creator and a loving God, but you didn't, you didn't know him. And it, it all started to kind of make sense. But what was interesting is um, we've got a, a Gentile talking to you about some prophecies and um what what were some of those do you remember well i don't remember exactly which ones they were but he showed me some i i, I believe it was about the uh the messiah being born in bethlehem mm. which says that uh riding into jerusalem on a donkey uh, just some basic things but you have to remember i didn't know hardly know nothing about the bible mm. so and it was and it was i believe it was the spirit of god was working on my heart and uh, this guy, I knew he loved me, and he was he was there, and his, him and his wife, and they were there, and they out of love, you know, they didn't have to come do that. He was my manager at Sears. I was a sewing machine salesman. He was my manager, wow. you know, and uh, and he took me, and he not only because I didn't know anything, he discipled me. He he took me to church with him, and uh, I started learning, you know. And I don't know if you heard ever heard of Adrian Rogers. Adrian Rogers was uh, Howard says yes. Howard says yes. I, I'm not familiar with Adrian, yeah. but go ahead. He was a great man. But anyway, so you know, so I'm still 100% Jewish. I, I am a Jew, uh, and uh, and I'm proud to be uh, a, a messianic follower of mm. Jesus. And it's the greatest thing that ever happened in my life. I wouldn't trade it. If somebody said to me, "Would you trade it for a billion dollars?" Absolutely not. Yeah. You know. But the funny thing is, and this is what strikes me: if somebody was down on the corner where you guys are at, and somebody was saying, "Hey, we're giving away a hundred dollar bills," people line up. But w- what's better than that is not getting a hundred dollar bills, but getting eternal life. You know, my father's rich. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He's my mm. heavenly father. You know, and so this is much better. So I'm just, you know, just excited about that. But to answer your question, it I, I believe it was the Holy Spirit just working on me, and it, and it, because I knew I had done so much wrong in my life. I knew I had sinned greatly. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of wrong, and uh, and just the fact that I could repent of my sins and receive Jesus as my Messiah and Savior and I'd have eternal life was the greatest news I ever heard in my life because I'd never heard anything like that before. No, awesome. nothing. I'd ever heard anything like that before. I never met a Christian. I never, I never met, I never, you know, I never ran to, nobody ever asked me before in my life, 
uh, if I knew I was going to heaven. Nobody told me how to go. Nobody. You were protected. That. You were protected, bro. You were protected from a lot of stuff. Okay, so maybe you were in some, you know, some. You had some, you know, bad decisions that you made and so forth. But you were, you were protected and and prepared for that for that moment. Um, there wasn't a lot of. Um, uh, there, lack of a better term, there wasn't a lot of baggage. You were you were prepared for the freshness of scripture. Um, yeah, yeah, that was uh, that's cool. And I that, should have been dead. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so thankful I didn't die for it. You had mentioned earlier that uh, you believe that Jesus is returning soon, as the three of us also do. But when you're talking uh, or or sharing Christ out there. Do you tell people that, and do you use uh, Bible prophecy at all to uh, help them to see that? No, because that goes way over their head. When I talk to a Jewish person about Jesus, first of all, I, I, I ask them if they saw the movie The Ten Commandments, and that usually they have, and then I, and I explain to them about the blood, you know, and, and hmm. I explain to them how the sacrifices all the way through, and I explained to them that the Torah says in Leviticus 17:11, the life of the flesh is in the blood. I've given it upon the altar for your soul, for it's the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. And I explained to them how our Jewish people, we were the only right religion, if you want to call it that, in the world. Everybody else was worshiping trees or whatever they wanted to worship. So, and so I explained to them how that was the sacrificial system is what God set up. And, um, and the bottom line is, and I, I tell them, I says, you know, I believe I've done a lot wrong in my life. Don't you? And they'll say yes or no. And if they usually say yes, and then I say, you know, how are you going to, how are we going to get our sins forgiven? You know, you know, since, you know, the rabbis, now they're doing Toshlik where you take bread and you throw it in the water and, if the, if the bread floats away from you, uh, that your sins will be forgiven for a period of time. None of that's in the Bible. The bottom line, if I'm talking to a Jewish person, is that you know God loves you, and and he he had Jesus come and died for you, and he's the Messiah. And when John, the man, a man by the name of Yochanan, John the Baptist, saw him, he said, "Baruch habab b'shem Adonai, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord." Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And what he was talking about is how he saw Jesus as the Lamb of God. In Hebrew, you know, we, we celebrate Passover, but the actual Lamb was called the Paschal Lamb. He, called, he was the Lamb. He was the, and they couldn't find anything wrong with him. Nothing. You know, they, he was a good Jew. He was an observant Jew. He went to synagogue every Shabbat. They couldn't find anything wrong with him. And he came, and he came and died for us. And the Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. So he became sin for us. And so I asked him, I said, now, you know, do you, what do you think about Jesus? What do, you, do you sin like me, right? Do you now believe Jesus is the Messiah? Yes or no? <laughs> if they, they say yes, I say, okay, now, let me ask you a question, Okay. Uh, the Bible says, uh, for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. And it says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it goes on to say, but whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
And then I explained to him, I said, let me, before I ask you this question, let me tell you a quick story here. This is found in the Bible. This man by the name of Nicodemus came to Jesus. And it says it exactly like this. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Master, we know that thou art a teacher, come from God, for no man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus looked him right in the, right in the face. Now, you got to remember, this Nicodemus believed in God, he believed in the miracles, and he believed in Jesus. And the teacher of Israel, that. right? He was, a, he was described he, as a teacher yeah, he, of Israel, right? He was, yeah, Nicodemus he said, was, yeah. a, was like Nic- the player, Nicodemus, right? Yeah, Nicodemus' testimony, my point is, let me say it again, what he said to Jesus, Master, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. My point is, he believed in God, he believed in Jesus, and he believed the miracles that Jesus did. But Jesus looked him right square in the eye, and he said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, unless a man is born again, he cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said, Well, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? Jesus said to him, Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. As I'm talking to my Jewish friend, I explained to them, I said, I was born so many years ago in Park West Hospital in Manhattan, New York. When were you born? There was an actual birthday. You were physically born. Then I was born again when I was 21 years old, when I prayed and asked Jesus to be my Messiah. And so to go to heaven, what Jesus said is you have to be born again. You were born once physically, my friend, but to go to heaven, you have to be born again. And how you're born again, get born again, is you have to believe you've sinned, believe Jesus is the Messiah, and ask and pray to God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and ask Jesus to be your Messiah and Savior. And if you do that, you'll go to heaven when you die. Now, I'm going to ask you the most important question anybody's ever asked you. Are you ready? And the guy will say yes or no. Is there any good reason, reason why you cannot pray with me right now and receive Jesus as your Savior? And I stop. Many times I get no answers. Many times I get yes answers. And I just say, say the same thing to both Jews and Gentiles. But it's getting right to the bottom line. You, are, you want to go to heaven. You know, you're it. amazing, Ron. There's no, uh, you're just, you're, you don't dance around it. You, you just go right and you just go right at it. Amazing. Amazing. Go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. So, you know, it, that's the bottom line, you know. And I explained to him, I said, and there's only really two religions in the world. Let's say if I have resistance at that point. I said, there's really only two. One religion is we have to do something to earn God's favor. All these religions, Jehovah Witness, Mormons, Catholics, rabbinical Jews, you know, Chinese, they all got to do something to earn God's favor. And then the other one which is a relationship. Well, we believe we don't have to do anything. We believe that God did it all, and through the Messiah, Yeshua the Messiah, he died for us, and just asked for forgiveness and receive him as the Messiah and Savior, and we're going to heaven. And that's the big difference. So there's really only two belief systems or religions in the world. One is religion, and the other one's relationship. And so I'm gonna, I, I like the relationship thing, because I know no matter how much good works I do, I'm not going to get rid of what I did wrong. So, mm. And I explained that to mm. them. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very, people make it so difficult. I remember one time when I was witnessing to, many years ago, I was witnessing to a Catholic guy, and I hope I'm not offending anybody by, by telling them this, but I said to him, I said, let me ask you a question. I says, um, if, I could, if, you're, if I could show you that your, your priests don't know how to go to heaven when they die, what would you do? Mm. Would you come oh. with me this weekend? He says, well, sure. So I, I, I picked up the phone and I called three priests. 
three different parishes here in Florida. I like I this one. If, huh? I like so this I said, one. Sir, if I was to die tonight, and I was very somber, can you tell me how to go to heaven? One guest says, I'm not sure. Why don't you let's talk about it? Another guy said, well, lay down and be good. And the other one, the third one said, uh, you really can't. So they didn't know anything. So what good is it going anywhere, whether it's to a synagogue? If you go to your rabbi, my friend, and you ask him, if, if, you know, if I was to die today, can you tell me how I can go to heaven? You're going to get... He's going to get all kinds of wild stuff. Some of them believe we float around. I mean, it's stupid. It's not biblically based. That's my point. We have to get back to what the the Tanakh says, what the Torah says, what the Bible says about life and death and about God's love for mankind and not what we do. It's not about us. It's about God. It's all we have to do is surrender as a child to God and receive Jesus as our Messiah and we are born again, and you have peace and strength, doesn't mean you're going to have not going to have any more problems. I've got a ton of problems. But you know what? This is just temporary. I'm leaving town. When I die, I'm going to heaven. All this stuff's being left behind. Hey. And I'm glad I'm saved. And I'm thankful for that guy, Ron Park, who led me to the Lord. Mm. Now, I'll tell you an interesting thing about that. This guy, Ron Park, led me to the Lord. And of course, I led my mother to the Lord many years after that. So basically... He is her grandfather in the Lord. In other words, he led me to the Lord, right. and I led her to the Lord. With me? Okay, she died the same day he did. The same day. His funeral was one hour before my mother's funeral. He was having it at a church, and I was, we were having a Jewish, a Jewish funeral, which I was holding. They were buried in the same cemetery, one hour apart. He's in the Gentile section. She's in the Jewish section. You know, tell me that's not amazing. The guy that led me to the Lord went to heaven the same day as my mother, and I'm sure they're rejoicing up there. And wow. here you have a Jew and a Gentile. You see, my mother's grandfather was a rabbi that immigrated here from Russia to escape the pogroms. They were ultra-Orthodox. You know, my mother has seen it all, and she was so changed when she got saved. Let me tell you, my mother was a very New York Jew. She worked at Gimbel. She was a salesman. She, and after she got saved, she was short. She was like 5'3". She'd go into the bakery here in Florida, and she'd look for Jewish people, and she'd corner them and start talking about Jesus being the Messiah. And you can't get away, couldn't get away from my mother. At 80-some you know, years old. Point. At 80-some years yeah. old. Yes, 80, 84 years old and up. Then she, and she died at 93 back in 2015. But, yeah, every time. Then my brother would be taking her shopping, or I wouldn't. She, she has Judar. We can, I can usually tell a Jewish person, you know, many times. Not always, many times. And so she has Judar. So she would just talk to Jewish people about Jesus. And here was a lady who thought I was nuts, who ended up being transformed. And she would read her Bible every morning, and she was so at peace. She was never at peace before in her life until she got saved. Unbelievable. That's, that's awesome. That's really awesome. Uh, Let me tell you something else. Let me tell you another story. I don't want to go too long. Right. Uh, say how God's, how God's moving. When we first started this ministry— I, we were having, a, there was a, uh, a Vietnam veterans reunion down here in this park in Melbourne, Wickham Park. Anyway, I was out there, and I met this Jewish guy, and we started talking, and uh, I started talking to him a little bit about Jesus being the Messiah, and I, I said, I'd like to come out and see you. He says, okay, well, here's my address. And he gave me his address, I think it was 1004 Sloop Way, something like that, Melbourne, Florida. So he gave me the address, and several days later, I was in my office in Cape Canaveral, which is like about a half-hour drive 
from where he lived. I decided I'm going to go out and see him. So I left the office about 4 o'clock. I drove all the way down there. I knocked on the first door at 1004 Sloopway, and I said, is Norman home? She said, Norman doesn't live here. I said, what do you mean? This is the address he gave me. And she said, look, this is the whole complex. And I looked, and all I saw were doors and windows. And I go, oy vey. But I figured while I'm here, I'm going to see some other people and talk to them about the Messiah. The very next door I knocked on, get this, the very next door I knocked on, I said, does Norman live here? And the lady said, Norman doesn't live here, but he's here eating. Now, so I'm thinking, well, this can't be the same Norman, because why would a Norman that lives in this complex be in this house, lady's house eating? Maybe this is a guy, Norman from Minnesota or something. Who comes to the door? That guy. So he comes out. He, he takes me around back. I wouldn't have found his house. He takes me around back, shows me where he lived. And I said, I'm going to go down the street. I'm going to eat, and I'll be back in an hour. I came back. He was an Orthodox Jew. And we started holding Bible studies in his home. He ended up praying with me to get saved. Then his sister ended up praying with me to get saved. Then this guy, Larry, a Jewish school teacher, he started coming over. <laughs> he prayed with me to get saved. And it kept growing and growing. And now we have big, good-sized services every Friday evening. But my point is, why is it that God had me go to that yep. at that time? Go to that. I didn't have the apartment number. and just happened to knock on the door when he happened to be living, eating right next door. If I had to came an hour later, an hour earlier, or a day earlier, or a week later, I would never met this guy. This guy is faithful. He carries the Torah in our congregation. He mm. loves the Lord. And so, you know, that's God. It, it's incredible. Incredible. And yeah, the stories are endless. They're, they're, they're endless. And all we can do, all we can do is be faithful and to, to, to love people and give them the gospel. That's all we can do. And God just sorts it all out. I'll tell you, for me, what's happened, I've, I felt a lot of performance pressure over the years in sharing the gospel. I wanted to, you know, hit a home run or a base hit and, you know, make sure I, I do it all right. And over the years, and especially since I came to faith, since I um, got a better understanding of Israel, the church, etc., I have felt more free in sharing the gospel with Jewish people than ever because I firmly believe deep, deep down it's got nothing to do with me. It's got nothing to do with right. me. I firmly believe right. that. I feel so free to just share what's on my heart and, and do what I can and let God sort everything out because the stories are so bizarre of people coming to faith <laughs> because of because of this connection or that connection or this voice or that seed or that water, whatever it is, God brings it all together at the right moment and boom, that that's it. And it, it's, 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 it's very liberating. It's, it's very liberating. And that leads to my next question. I have a brother that I love in Christ. He knows the Bible and he's been a believer far longer than I have. And we had a great discussion once in the car and I said to him, I said, what is it? Why, if we know all this, why is there a reluctance or, um, you know, a, a hesitation of sharing the gospel with Jewish people? Now, obviously, I don't know if our listeners are aware, but as a reminder, we were three Gentiles here. And the question to him was, why, why is there a hesitation? What is it? And he honestly, humbly before God and before me thought for a moment and he said, intimidation. And, and it, goes, it goes to, 
And I've said this in one of the other testimonies because this is big. It's big for the Jewish people and it's big for the Gentiles because that lie, that lie that's believed is, you know what, we, we, maybe we don't know the Bible enough to share Jesus. Maybe we don't, we, we, we just, we can't stand up and, and share our faith. So we hesitate and the Bible's not shared. Jewish people don't hear. And the gap between Jews and Gentiles separate. The opportunity to hear the gospel becomes less, less likely. And then we're, you know, we're, we're in the sewer and we're, and it's, it's garbage. So, um, the reason why I'm bringing this up is I, I want you to please say something to encourage the Gentiles, help us Gentiles do what we can or say what we can or figure out a way or show us a way or challenge us or teach us a way how we can, as Gentiles, live out um, the great privilege of, uh, of sharing the gospel. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad you asked me that. Thank you. Okay. First of all, you have to realize that if you attend some church or a messianic synagogue or whatever you attend, you can, I can take the average eight-year-old that goes to your church or your messianic synagogue, and they know more about the Bible than the vast majority of the Jews. You have to remember that about 87% of the Jewish people are non-observant. And we get, we, we're born, we're raised Jewish, we get bar mitzvahed, and we're gone. That's mm. basically it. Okay. So... So when you're talking to a Jewish person, don't talk to them any different than you would to a Gentile. We're not any different. The guy, the, the guy that led me to the Messiah talked to me the same way he would probably talk to anybody. So it's not that we're, you know, and, and don't be intimidated by Jewish people. They need to hear the gospel. They, first of all, you need to be their friend. If you're going to lead a Jewish person to the Lord, you have to be their friend unless you're doing evangelism on the street. And then just love them. Before you go out, always pray. Empty yourself of self. You know, ask the Lord to use you. And when you talk to them, get to the bottom line. Don't sidestep it. Just explain the fact. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated because they're Jewish, whether they're Jewish or Muslim or, or whatever religion. Just give them the same gospel. Don't change the gospel message for Jewish people. It's the same for everybody. The Bible says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a power of God to salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So it's the same message. So when I witness to people and when you witness to people, just keep it very simplistic. You know, ask them if they want to go to heaven when they die. What I'm saying to you is keep it very basic. Just talk to them, be very frank. Basically, you know, you have to keep it basic when you're talking to a Jewish person. Just keep it very don't worry, they don't know more about the Bible than you do. I can guarantee you that. They don't know more about the Bible. They know, if they know anything, it's maybe what they've learned in Hebrew school and a lot of it is in the Talmud. And then, of course, when we have our bar mitzvah, we have to memorize some portions of Scripture and we read it uh, in the synagogue, and, and, and that's about it. So, you know, so just don't be intimidated. Just keep it very basic. Keep to, stick to the fact that we've all done wrong. You don't have to use mm. the word sins. We've all done wrong. We've all transgressed God's laws. Ask them if they saw the movie The Ten Commandments. Explain about how the blood was 
with the sacrificial system. And you could just keep that very basic because that may even go over their head. I don't care if they're a 90-year-old Jew or a 30-year-old Jew. Same basic thing. They don't know anything about the Bible. Nothing. Nothing, nothing. Unless you're talking to an ultra-Orthodox, uh, you know, the you know, Haredi Jew, you know, Haredim, you know, then, you know, then they're going to know something about the Bible. And they'll, they'll, they'll be tough, much tougher to deal with. But I'm talking about the average guy on the street, your Jewish neighbor, your Jewish friend, you know, and also don't give up on them. I have many Jewish people that I've, uh, you know, that I keep going back to when I keep talking about Jesus. Don't give up. As long as, as long as they know you love them and you're concerned about them, you know, they'll listen to you. And I can tell you so many stories that the Jewish people have come to the Lord for much time. So don't be impatient. Um, but, you know, again, always, always ask for the decision. And, but you can tell whether it's time. If they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah, naturally you can't get them to pray with you. But you just want to pre- present the fact that we've all sinned, we've all done wrong, and that there's only one way to get rid of sin, and you give them scriptures about how, you know, for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And what I use in that particular verse, I say the wages of sin is death. I stop there and says wages is what we earn, and death in the Greek means separation from God. And I said, but that doesn't stop there. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life mm. in Jesus Christ our Lord. And then I hand him something. I said, now, if I gave you his paper, and if you gave me a penny for it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a gift. You have to take it freely. You have to take God's gift for you, and you have to take the gift of salvation where our Jewish Messiah died. This is not a Gentile thing. It was the Jewish. Jesus was Jewish. Many, by the way, let me pause there a second. Many of the Jewish people don't even realize that. Jesus was Jewish. It was all, all of his followers were Jewish. It was the Jews that went to the Gentiles. The Gentiles mm. didn't go to the Jews. They were, they were going, spreading it out. And this, this happens to be there's more Gentiles than there are Jews. And there's always been Jewish believers in Jesus. But what's happening now, as I'm talking to him, is that many of like, the Jewish people are coming to realize that Jesus is the Messiah. And, and then you can ask him to read Isaiah 53. Go home and read it. And can I get back with you? Or just keep it very basic, but you have to love them. They have to know you're genuine. And Good don't word. wear sunglasses when you're talking to somebody about Jesus. Take <laughs> right. your sunglasses off. Right. Let them see your eyes. Let them see you really care. And these are just, just very important things to remember when you're witnessing to anybody. Hmm. You know, and just, and just ask them, you know, do you want to go to heaven when you die? Would you like to pray with me now and receive Jesus as your Messiah and Savior? Good you words, to, you know, And then tell them, memorize that thing about Nicodemus. It's a very easy story. It's in John chapter 3. Memorize it. You can, you can use your own version of it. I mean, but basically the bottom line, that story about Nicodemus, where Jesus told me, you got to be born again, that's the crux of the whole matter. That guy, that was a Jewish guy that believed in God. He believed in Jesus. He believed in the miracles. He had it all in his head, but he had never been born again. You know what's interesting about our conversation? You know what's interesting about Mm -hmm. our conversation? What's interesting about this is that, you know, in the other people's testimonies, uh, Jewish people's testimonies, we we focused a lot on the Old Testament, and we we drew from the Old Testament, and from you, we're hearing more and more from the New Testament. It's really pr- pretty amazing, pretty amazing. Absolutely, it, they don't it, know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ron Howard, here. they don't. 
<laughs> you, t- you talk to an average Jewish guy on the street. I'm not talking about Hasidic guys. The average guys you meet in your neighborhood, they don't know the difference. That's funny. Hey, Ron, you, can, uh, you can quote the Reader's Digest and tell them it's in the Bible. And they'll, they'll, they'll believe you. I mean, it's, don't do that. I'm just saying, but they don't know the difference. Hey, Ron, how I don't say the Bible. I don't say the New Testament. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Ron, uh, uh, three questions for you, number one. Well, they're not questions, but uh, tell us a little bit about your ministry. Number two, tell us how we can pray for you. And then number three, tell us if someone wants to get in contact with you, how they could do that. Okay. Yes, okay. Our ministry, we're located in, uh, it's down in Melbourne, Florida. We're on the central Florida East Coast, uh, not far from the Kennedy Space Center. And our ministry, our focus is to reach the Jewish people of the gospel. We want to make the messiahship of Jesus Christ an unavoidable issue to our Jewish people worldwide. Mm. And so that's what our primary focus is. And I've found since we uh, go to the Jewish people first, we're seeing more people get saved. It's an interesting thing, because it says in the Bible, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of God, and the salvation of everyone to believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. My point is, since we've been in the ministry going strictly first to the Jewish people, we're seeing more Gentiles saved, which is... Amazing, that's because that's, I guess, God's plan, because a lot of people just put, just ignore the Jews and they're running around in circles. So, anyway, so that's what we do. We do outreaches all the time. We hold, I hold meetings. We disciple Jewish people. Uh, once I'm talking about Jesus, I meet with them on a regular basis. I go out to the homes, they come to my office, and I, I hold Bible studies with them. Uh, we have outreaches almost every week. Somewhere we go to art festivals or or uh, craft shows when they have them out in public, you know, in the public. And uh, we have a lot of them here in Florida. The weather's good year-round, so there's a lot of witnessing opportunities. And so we do that. That's our goal. And then on Friday nights, the Jews and Gentiles come in. You feel get us and we teach them the Bible from a Jewish perspective, and that's what we do. And so, but our main focus of our ministry is. Lead, going out and witnessing to Jewish people, discipling them, and teaching them how to do what we're doing, and going out and witnessing to other Jewish people. And that's that's the focus of our ministry. That makes our ministry very different than just about most, I mean, a lot of other ministries. Not, you know, there's a lot of great ministries that do that, but that's what we do. That's did, the bottom line. Did you, give okay. the, uh, did you give the website address? The website is JF. OJ, like Jewish follower of Jesus, dot org. Okay. J-F-O-J dot org. And just, and uh, just, uh, just hmm? to, for the sake of our conversation right now, and you'll, you'll know after anyway, when we post your testimony online, we'll, you know, we'll do a little bio uh, of yours and we'll include, you know, the, the link to the, uh, to the ministry and whatever contact information is available there, we'll put that on there mm-hmm. too. So just so you know, mm-hmm. um, great. Uh, Howard, did you sound like you wanted to ask him something else or no? No. All right, um, Ron. God bless. They you. They can ask questions. By the way, on the website, they can put. They can send me information. Any information, I'll be glad to help them in any way. Uh, information on how to witness to Jewish people. We'll do anything we mm. can to help anybody we can. Okay, good. Hold on one second. By the yeah, way, yeah. By the way, yeah. in our ministry, no, we're not, none of us are on salary. I'm a full-time missionary. I don't belong to our salary. Uh, so we do this out of the love of our heart. God bless you. God bless you. This is, 
This is awesome. Um, I'm, I'm glad we met, Ron. Um, uh, I, can, I can feel. Hold on one second. I got. I got. Hold on one second. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know. I was going to do that. Howard just sent me a little note and reminded me what I what I want to ask you here in a minute. Um, yeah, I, I I can feel you, Ron. I can feel you, and it's it's awesome. It's awesome. Um, I'm really. I'm I'm glad we met. Uh, I'm encouraged. I, I'm encouraged. I, I'm encouraged. Um, I'm, I'm, this was one of the one of the greatest decisions of my life is to get connected to the Messianic Jewish community. It's I, mm. I, I've learned so much. I've learned so much. Oh, so many, so many questions have been answered and clarified. It's just phenomenal. Phenomenal! Thank and you. You're an amazing guy. You guys are amazing. We, I appreciate oh. you doing it oh. and, and doing something to reach because you know most organizations ignore our Jewish people, and you know and that's sad. And I'm glad you guys are doing something to reach our Jewish people because we need to go to heaven just like everybody else. Yeah, yeah. I that uh, reminded me. I don't know if you saw it, but I think it was uh, yesterday or today. One for Israel put a post out. Um, on Facebook, and it was a, a YouTube of uh, how to bless Israel or how not to bless Israel. I don't know if you saw it, so I know you do a lot of Facebook. I see your your posts, so when you have a chance, go to One for Israel's website and look at the post they okay. did for how to not bless Israel. It's really good. It's really, really a good post. Um, Ron, thanks so much. Uh, two things: a final word for your people. A final word uh, for your people, and if you don't mind, because um, I like this, will you please cr- close in prayer, either the priestly prayer um, or sure. or um, any prayer that's from your heart in Hebrew, in Hebrew? Yes. Um, yes. Please. So go ahead. Final word for your people, and then yes. a prayer. I want to tell you, my friends, God loves you, and so much, and uh, the greatest thing you can ever do in your life is receive Jesus as your Messiah and Savior. He was a Jew. He was one of us, mm-hmm. and that's the greatest thing you can do, and forget about all the things that we've been taught, maybe necessarily in the past about, you know, uh, that he's not for us. You seek it out yourself. You read the Bible for yourself. Get a hold of a Bible. Read it. Read Isaiah chapter 53. Look up the prophecies. Go on the internet and look up just Google prophecies of Jesus being the Messiah, and you will see them. And just look at them yourself. It's it's the greatest thing you can ever do. Mm. This is more important than anything, and it's the greatest thing not only you can do for yourself, but also for your family and for your future. I'm going to close in the word of prayer. I'm going to say the ironic benediction, and then I'm going to close in prayer. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Dear God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for your wonderful plan of salvation. And Father, I pray, pray for this ministry that you'll just bless them and encourage them and use their, continue to use their ministry in 
and enable them and give them wisdom and direction. And Father, we pray for any, any people listening to this that don't know you as their Messiah, that are not on the way to heaven, whether they be Jewish or Gentile, that they'll receive you. Father, we know there's many people that are in churches today that have never been born again. Father, if those mm-hmm. listening here today and they cannot remember an event in their life where they actually prayed and received you as their Savior, that as they listen to this, they will repent and receive you as their Savior and Messiah and be born again. Please, Father, and Father, may this message go on out and, and circulate. We love you, Father. We thank you so much for what you've done for us. In Yeshua HaMashiach, we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you, Ron. Ron, God bless you. Awesome. I look forward to staying in touch with you on Facebook and whatever. Um, Thanks, Ron. Thanks. I I was blessed. I was blessed. Um, Thank you. Me too. All right. Thank you, you guys. Nice meeting you guys. I'll uh, I'll let you know when we get this edited and posted, and then uh, you can share the link, and, and that's it. So thanks, bro. God bless you. Now, one for Israel. Is that is that do I need is that a, a, a thing I join? Is it a group or just a website? One for Israel is closely associated somehow with Chosen People Ministries. Gotcha. Um, okay. It's kind of one for Israel. I found Shalom.com and Chosen People. Okay. They got something going there, and I, it's not clear to me. But if you Google one for Israel, not Google, but if you search it on Facebook, uh, you'll see it. It's yeah, awesome. It. It's awesome. Thank you, brothers. Take care. Thank you, man. Shalom. Shalom, bro. All right. Talk to you. Bye-bye.